Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning, everybody, and welcome again to this Sunday's Sunrise Call. As always, I'm so happy that you're here with us, and I hope that we all find um, a moment to have this safe space and this conversation that's filled with love and compassion and desire to heal ourselves first and then our families. And so um, thank you for being here. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This morning, I'm smiling because a dear, dear friend of mine, mentor, sister friend, is here with us, Dr. Vicki Johnson. And I am so, so honored to have her here. Dr. Johnson, or I'm going to call you Dr. Vicki. She is a transformational speaker, a chaplain, a spiritual wellness practitioner. She is a best-selling author of 12 books and the founder of Soul Wealth LLC. Her most recent book, which is called Soul Wealth, Finding Vision, Compassion, Authenticity, Abundance, and Legacy in the Midst of Chaos was released in August of 2019. I have it here. It is fantastic. I urge you all to read it. Fantastic book. Dr. Vicki supports women leaders via her Soul Wealth Academy, and her mission is to guide women to manifest abundance in every area of their lives, build on their own tribes, grow their own businesses or careers, and create the life they truly deserve. She believes that in every moment, we have a choice. Dr. Vicki is a graduate of Howard University, and she mentors women to break up with the status quo in their lives, to be great in the mirror first, 
and then amazing in the world and the marketplace. She has a daily podcast called the Soul Wealth Radio Show, which is available on all podcast platforms, and it can be heard live every morning on dcradio.gov. She is an incredible, incredible, incredible visionary and business leader with over 35 years of experience in the entertainment industry and an Emmy award-winning media professional who worked at BET Networks for over 18 years. She currently serves in the DC mayor's office of cable television, film, and entertainment and does many, 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 many other projects supporting women all over the country and the world, quite frankly. So I am so proud to have Dr. Vicki Johnson with us this morning, where she's going to work with us on how we can create stability in our households, which we know we all need, by starting with focusing on ourselves. We all know we've been learning so much over the past several weeks on how we need to do our own inner work in tandem with getting the appropriate support for our children. So soul wealth is just that. It is not only a lifestyle it is nothing about finances. It is a way of being. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Dr. Vicki Johnson. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. I am so honored to be here on um, the Sunrise Project with you. We go way back. <laughs> yes. You and I, we go way back. And so I'm really, really grateful for this opportunity to share in this powerful, powerful community. And it so embodies who you are, your spirit, your compassion. And that is actually one of the tenets of soul wealth. Soul wealth is vision, compassion, authenticity, abundance, and legacy. And we have to manifest those things in our lives first before we can share that with our children, with our partners, in our families, with our communities, even in the world, because we cannot give away what we don't have. And quite frankly, we're masterful at doing that. And frequently we are exhausted because we're taking care of everyone else and pouring from an empty cup. And I say often to the women that I am privileged to serve that we have to practice giving from our overflow and not our capacity because our capacity is for us. My capacity is for me. Your capacity is for you. And it is the imperative of what has become really a buzzword, self-care, you know, self-love, while it is a reality and a necessary tool, we've always needed it. It's not something that's new. And inherent in self-care is soul care because your soul is the seat of your emotions. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And actually, Soul Wealth was birthed in 2013, going into 2014, when I was preparing for a TED Talk on the power of sacred sisterhood. And at that time, what came to me in, in my preparation was that 
when women, and I know there are men here in this community as well, my work specifically is with women and men are blessed by the overflow. <laughs> uh, but when women connect, collaborate and create community, the result is soul wealth. And that was inspired from third John, a scripture in the Bible that says, God desires that we prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper. So that means our lives, our realities can only be as healthy, as prosperous as our emotions. That is why we can be uber successful in the world, have lots of tangible success, yet still be broken, show up in the world, go home and feel defeated because that is our reality when we don't deal with our soul. Again, your soul is the portal, is the cup. Our emotions are in that. And we want to live with that cup full. And the capacity of that cup is to nourish us. You know, when I was growing up in the 70s, really the 80s, but I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and both of my grandmothers would, would drink coffee. And back then they didn't have these gigantic mugs and tumblers that we drink coffee out of. You know, it was the, the little cup with the saucer. And I would sit and just watch my grandmothers sip their coffee and it spill over and there'd be coffee in the saucer. And when the cup was empty, my grandmothers would pick up the saucer <laughs> and get the overflow. And it is what's in the proverbial saucer of our lives. That is our capacity for other people. So if your saucer is empty, guess what? You don't have anything to offer anyone else right now. Your work is to build up to overflow so that it's dripping on the saucer, pouring off the saucer, if you will. And that is where we serve other people. So that was where Soul Wealth was birthed. But something else, since we're talking about our children, how the vision of this came together, what brought us all together is our love for our sons and our daughters and our roles as parents. And so when Kelly extended the invitation to share today, I began to reflect on my childhood. And the first thing that came to me was this plaque that was on the wall in our kitchen that I read every single day as a child. Just read it because I loved reading. And I want to share it. It says the, the, the name of the poem is Children Learn What They Live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he or she learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he or she learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he or she learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he or she learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he or she learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he or she learns justice. If a child lives with security, 
he or she learns to have faith. And if a child lives with approval, he or she learns to like him or herself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he or she learns to find love in the world. And that is true. I began to reflect on my life as a child and can honestly say, not, not just in my home, but in the world, in my community, in my neighborhood, I probably experienced every one of these emotions. Now my home, as many of our homes are and have been, was loving. It wasn't perfect, but there was lots of love. And I think that especially in today's culture, we sometimes forget that our children are impacted and influenced not only by what is happening in our homes, but now add the caveat of social media, add the caveat of bullying, that's not a new thing, but it's really amplified what's happening in schools. And then on top of that, it is compounded in the last few years by this pandemic. So that is where we find ourselves today, dealing with all of those factors. And it is also the imperative of why we have to live and give and serve and love other people from the saucer and not the cup. Scripture also says, you know, that if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask for it. And I implore you today to begin asking for wisdom, wisdom to parent your children, because as long as we have life and breath, there is still hope. I was sharing earlier before we came on that my daughter will be 28 years old on Tuesday. And this is a part of my story. She will be 28 years old on Tuesday. I had to overcome the sense of shame and guilt because I dealt with postpartum, undiagnosed postpartum depression for five years. Consequently, the first five years of her life, I don't have many memories of her at all because I did not have her. I woke up some days and couldn't get out of the bed, wouldn't open the curtains or the blinds, you know, and consequently, I was blessed to have some earth angels in my life, specifically my supervisor on my job. She and her husband really became like surrogate parents to me and consequently surrogate grandparents to my daughter. And they had her more than I did. So guess what? I missed all of her milestones. They taught her how to walk. They taught her how to use the bathroom. They potty trained her. She was with them when she got the chicken pox. Like I missed all of that. So fast forward to now I am in this place where I have been, was then eventually, and am still now in therapy. And to reflect on that, that I missed that, what I began to do, like I'm sure many of us have done, is I thought I was making it up to her for being absent, right? So I was overgiving, overcompensating, you know, not allowing her to learn some lessons that she needed to learn. 
you know, I, I, I wanted to fix her. But then I came to the reality that I could not help her fix what was still broken in me. And that is the work of soul wealth, right? We have to heal the wounds and the holes in our souls, the gaps in our emotions, the trauma in our lives, so that from a higher vibrational location, we can love and parent and raise and rear our children. This is not an attack. It is not to make you feel bad or guilty um, because what I do know is that in every moment, we do the best we can with what we have. We do the best we can with what we have. So give yourself some credit for that. You know, I, I work with women who live in the pain and in the broken spaces, if you will, of all the things their parents did wrong in their eyes. And, you know, the first thing I say is they did the best they could with what they had. Give them some credit for that. Give them some credit for that because you are here and you are well enough to do better. There are no failures, only lessons. So as I said earlier, our soul is the seat of our emotions. And in order to heal our emotions, we have to feel them. We have to feel them. I am a high achieving, highly productive woman. I do a lot and it's who I am. And at one point I hit a wall because sometimes we bypass the reality of what we are feeling with busyness. And busyness doesn't necessarily mean you're being fruitful or productive. You're just being busy and being honestly avoidant of what you need to feel so that you can heal it. And I'm talking to us as parents today so that we can, from this moment forward, love our children from the saucer and not the cup. And how do we love them from the saucer and not the cup? We have to heal our wounds, deal with our shadows, work on our triggers and our traumas. We have to find meaning to our emotions in order to manage them. I think it's important that we start asking with ourselves first, not what's wrong with you, not what's wrong with me, is sitting in a place of reflection and meditating and saying, what happened to me? Why am I like this? Because your healing is in those answers. You didn't just become this way, something happened. And so the way to find meaning to those emotions is to ask yourself some of these questions. Why do I feel this way? What happened? How often did it happen? Who, if anyone else was involved? Where did this occur? When did it occur? How did it occur? I'll repeat those questions. Why do I feel this way? What happened? Who, if anyone else, 
was involved. Where did this occur? How often did it occur? When did it occur? Live the question and by all means, get support to work through the answers. If you're not in a, a therapeutic relationship or in pastoral counseling or something like that, I encourage you to consider it, reconsider it because it is in living the questions that our answer is found as we begin to manifest the answers. Live the questions and eventually you'll begin to live the answers that become arrows, that become clues, that become support. Because what I have learned is that our children frequently repeat the lessons we haven't quite learned yet. If we're honest, I can see some things in me that as a child, I remember seeing in my mom. And again, understanding she did the best she could with what she had. Um, this is not an attack on her at all. But there are some things in me that I know unequivocally I, I received from my mom. And then I look at my daughter and it doesn't feel good all the time. When I had the awareness, it didn't feel good. And I looked at her and I said, that's me. That's the work I haven't done yet. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Neither am I blaming. I am not saying it is your fault or you are responsible or you're the reason your children or your child does what he or she does. That is not what I'm saying at all. I am simply shining a light on the opportunity to heal the wounds, the triggers, the trauma, so that we can then help and guide and support our children from the saucer and not the cup. I've learned some things. I've learned some things that I wanna share. And I think Kelly and I will have a little bit of discussion. There are some things that I've learned and I want to share them with you. I've learned that it is our attachments that cause us to suffer. We as parents can be attached to how we think, perceive, or want our children or our child to be, to show up. You know, and, and honestly, a lot of times we live, we have lived vicariously through them. You know, we want them not to experience the things that we have experienced, so on. But we have to release our attachment to how we think things should be because it is our attachment or attachments that cause us to suffer. Number two, and this was really big for me when it came to parenting and being a mother to my daughter. I had to practice surrender. There's a quick story I'll share. When my daughter was probably fifth grade and I'm raising a creative, makes sense since, you know, when I was pregnant with her, I was all around music, art, entertainment, 
and, and her father is also a creative. But when she was in the fifth grade, she came out, I remember this so vividly, like I said, she'll be 28 very soon. And she was about 10, 11 years old. She came out dressed for school. You know, that's that age they're kind of fighting. The first time they begin, or the second time they began fighting for, you know, some independence. And she came out and what she had on, I thought looked crazy. <laughs> It looked ridiculous to me, like it didn't match, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm, I was born in 1965, right? So I have some very traditional, had, I've kind of released and relaxed a lot of them. But then I was like, that doesn't match. What are you doing? So just imagine, you know, polka dots and pinstripes and like, it, it was just really crazy. And uh, I was like, you can't wear that. That doesn't match. And she was like, why, mom? I like it. I like it. And Holy Spirit said to me, leave her alone. Mm -hmm. That is who she is. That is who she is. Mm -hmm. Let her be who she is. That was my first lesson in surrender. Mm -hmm. And she is still like that today. And she will be 28 this week. She still puts things together that I wouldn't put together, but she's not me. Your son is not you. Your daughter is not you. We have to trust that we are portals to get them here to earth. And at the end of the day, our children still belong to God. We're just stewards over their evolution. They still belong to God. So we have to practice. We have to practice surrender daily. Number one, we have to release our attachments because they cause us to suffer. Our attachments cause us to suffer. Number two, practice daily. Surrender. What does that look like? Stop offering your opinion when it wasn't asked for. Stop inserting yourself in places where you weren't invited. And this is this this leads to not only surrender, it leads to peace. Protect your own peace. That's so key. It, it leads to peace because that's not my journey. That's their journey. Your son's journey is his journey. Your daughter's journey is her journey. Trust, trust that you have given them the best you can and that ultimately God is in control. Number three, self-reflection leads to self-awareness. We have to become aware of who we are, even our shadows, even those things that I talked about earlier so that we can become aware so that we don't try to put our ideals onto our children, onto other people. I've learned not to give advice anymore. I don't give advice. I ask for permission to share my perspective. And then I leave it up to the person to take what I have shared and come to their own conclusion. So we have to become self-reflective so that we are self-aware, again, to protect our inner peace. That comment about, I'm going to ask, you said, I want to hear how you would say that to a child. 
you know, are you open to hearing my perspective? Would that be how you would say that to your daughter? I would say, may I share something with you? Okay. May I share something with you? Mm-hmm. Not, you need to listen to me and you're going to listen. Right. Because metaphorically, that creates this. Think about, and, and, and I had to learn this, you know, I had to learn, I have to watch my tone, not what I'm saying. I have to watch my tone with my daughter because I am impacted when people's tone is harsh with me. So that self-reflection made me more self-aware to then be mindful of my tone when I'm talking to her. It's a very real personal example of that. Does that make sense? Number four, allow Holy Spirit to help us heal our own shadows and wounds. And I said this earlier because we cannot fix in our children what is broken in us. And you may be guided to go to therapy. You may be guided to go to counseling, but be open to the guidance so that we can heal and then be better positioned to support our children from the saucer. You will never see a saucer the same way again after today. That's so true. I love that story. Could you, um, could you go ahead. You go to number five. Can you give us one, two, three, and four again? Just summarize sure. the first four, sure. please. Thank yes. you. Yes. Number one, our attachments cause us to suffer. So release your attachments. Let go of them. Let go of them. And trust, which leads to a daily practice of surrender, which is number two. Number three, self-reflection leads to self-awareness. And let me just go deeper there for a moment. Why does that bother you so much? Why does it bother you so much, Vicki? I'll talk about me. Why does it bother you so much that what your daughter has on doesn't match? Why does that bother you so much? You're not wearing it. She's wearing it. And again, she's an adult now and she still dresses like that. And no, it, it creates a box that we put our children in that they were never meant to conform to. So although I may be a circle, I accepted that my daughter is a triangle and it's not my job to try to fit her triangle in my circle. My position is to support her in her evolution to be the best triangle she can be. And I'm not attached to her as a triangle trying to be like a circle. I've released that attachment because it's not about me. It's her journey and my journey. They're two individual journeys, although they're connected. So release your attachment, stay connected. Right. Practice attachment is like, is like the belief. Right. The attachment, attachment is the belief, belief and attachment is also connected to control. Yes. That's why number two is practicing surrender. I'm not in control. God is ultimately in control. And where our trust muscle has to be exercised. When I encounter things that I don't understand or I feel I cannot manage properly, I stop literally and say out loud, but God, I trust you. I trust you. 
So that helps me practice surrender on a daily basis and it preserves my peace. It preserves my peace. Number three, self-reflection leads to self-awareness, which is critical because when I see certain traits or behaviors or certain decisions that are made that I don't necessarily agree with, it makes me stop, reflect, and tap into where did that come from? Remember, live the question so that you can manifest the answers and then live in the answers which will help you practice surrender, which will also help you release your attachments. And it's a practice. We've been this way for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It's not gonna change overnight. It is a practice. That is why I'm saying practice daily. And give yourself credit, give yourself grace, be gentle with yourself, which is what I love about this community. It's the gentleness of being able to be transparent and vulnerable, yet open and accountable to a new way of being. That's what it's about, especially when you're a high achieving, high performing woman or man, mother or father. It's like, how can I go out into the world and manifest all of these results yet come home and feel powerless, hopeless or helpless? And the truth is, I want to say to you tonight, to, to right now, you're not hopeless. There is hope. You're not helpless. There is help. And that is the power of this project, this Sunrise Project. Number four, allow Holy Spirit to help you heal your shadows, your wounds, your triggers, as I did. Because we cannot fix in our children or help them fix or guide them or offer wisdom and insight in areas where we're still broken. And it will bring you back into alignment and into a place of ease. And it will unlock grace in your life, which we all need, so that we're not so judgmental, first of ourselves and feeling ashamed, like what am I doing wrong? Why, why is my son like this? Why is my daughter like this? You've done nothing wrong. You, do, you have done the best you can with what you have. And from this moment forward, you're going to practice staying full so that you love and give and serve from the saucer, not the cup. Number five, be open to shifting perspectives, shifting your perspective. Be open to that. Why do you believe what you believe? Who told you that? Who told you that you had to be a certain kind of mother, a certain kind of father, your son had to be a certain kind of son, your daughter had to be a certain kind of daughter? Where did you get that from? Not to condemn the source, but does that work for you? Does that give you peace? Is it in alignment with the wisdom that you have been given to be a parent? And that takes courage to examine that. So I want to offer to you today, be open to a shift in your perspective. Each of us has to walk out our own journey, including our children, including our children. Number six, support comes in many forms and looks different for every situation. Why am I saying that? 
I'm saying that because comparison is the thief of peace. What works for my family, what works for my relationship with my child might not work for someone else. And it's okay because support comes in many forms and looks different, which is why we have to be open to new and different perspectives. So be okay. And I wanna, it goes back to number three, self-reflection, which leads to self-awareness, right? Are, are we stuck in an old paradigm that worked for our parents and our grandparents, but it doesn't really work for us? Be okay with exploring that and looking for new ways that work for you, that are in alignment. How do you know if it works for you? Because you'll have peace. Sometimes I offer this, you know, when I'm asked, what should I do? I'm like, I don't know what you should do, but what I do encourage you is to follow peace. Go in the way of peace. What gives you peace? Only you know that. When you allow yourself to breathe, reflect, surrender, and wait, because the wisdom comes. And let me tell you, the wisdom comes because God is great in us, through us, as us. The wisdom of God is in each of us. And all we have to do is ask if we're uncertain. God is great in us, through us, as us. And so because we have that divine capacity, we know what gives us peace. At the beginning of the pandemic, I started hiking about 10 miles every week because it gives me peace. It feels good to me. I can breathe. I can think, I can receive, I can decompress, I can process. I know what feels good. Tune into your body, listen to your body. Surrender will relieve a lot of stress. Living in a surrendered place will relieve a lot of stress. Another thing I wanna offer, and I'm still on number six about support, is sometimes the best thing you can do is let it fall apart. I know that's like antithetical. Yeah. <laughs> that's antithetical to like how we move and live and be. But sometimes the best thing you can do is surrender and let it fall apart so that it can be put back together the way God originally intended. Mm -hmm. Because many of us have built these monuments of motherhood and monuments of fatherhood on faulty foundations that did not work for us as children. Yet, we have turned around sometimes in certain situations and done the same things to our children. So if you feel like you're doing this, like as soon as I get one thing fixed, something else happens, that is an indication you need to surrender more in that space around that scenario, whatever it is. I'm smiling on that because the surrender control is so hard for all of us, I'm sure on this call, but the surrender and control and focusing on peace is so important. I'll share a funny story. My little one who's 16 now is, you know, just habitually late, right? And I used to say, oh, we're going to be late for school. Oh, come on, I'm going to go oh. instead. And that's just caused stress. You know, his AirPods will go in. And like you said, he's just you know, tuning me out. Instead, this past week, I would say, I'll be in the car. In my mind, I know we're late already. We haven't even left the house. But at the end of the day, you know what? Giving up control of that. 
and, and it's a, such a better space. And he'll get in the car and say, I think I need to get up a little earlier tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that might be good. You know, smile, pause, don't say anything. You know, yeah. just, uh, it's a different, a different way of being. It and is. All of it, as you said, starts with ourselves and that self-reflection, the self-awareness, or even like that lateness. Why is it that I'm so upset about being late? comes with the whole history of, you know, us as a people, black people, you know, and the stereotypes that we have of being late. And why does that bother me so much? I've been working through that as a, you know, my own issue. I don't need to put that off on him. Although I want him to be on time, of course, but not be so upset if he's not. That's an interesting dynamics. I just wanted to reflect. I was reflecting on that as you shared these six pieces. And the power in that really is that you got out of the way and he had his own download, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's my number seven point. Actually, number seven is sometimes silence is the best response. Mm -hmm. Sometimes silence is the best response. Silence with love, not silence. Exactly. I would say not silence with your lips poked out, mad. Yes, not not the <laughs> not the violent silence, right? right? Silence with love. And I was gonna say that silence doesn't mean you're doing nothing. Silence means I'm just gonna pray about it. There are some things that I have learned that I wanted to speak up and voice my unsolicited opinion with my daughter. And then I would just hear, don't say anything, just pray surrender number two and don't be attached and and it's something that we have to practice it's not easy because we love our children we're very emotional about our children and so you have to practice living in this space of trust where you're not attached where you're practicing surrender and where you can really go within and be silent with love at times and just pray speak life over them, pray for them constantly. And no, lastly, that soul wealth is soul care. Soul wealth is soul care, which is a critical part of Mm self-care. Live the question so you can manifest the answers and then live those answers from the saucer. I love that. Love the couple and foster analogy in your story uh, about your grandmother. So thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome. I want to see if anybody has any comments or questions. I really appreciate what you've been sharing because I have just made such a noticeable change in the more that I mind my business and really start taking care of the things that I'm interested in. You know, there was a point where I'm like, well, I can't spend this money because my kid might have a crisis or something might come up and I just don't know. And then now I'm like, you know what, they grown. And I really need to do the things that I need to do. And not only are they grown, but you know, like you said, what has happened is when they do want my advice, they do come and ask for it. Whereas instead of me having to ask a ton of questions. And so I just really try to really been trying to stop that and just kind of just say, now that I have this time, what am I going to do? And I know it sounds like a simple thing, but like I used to 
do things like just over shop and put groceries in there just in case someone was hungry or needed and do. And I'm like, I could go to Mary J. Blige on Saturday and I can go to Mary J. Blige. I mean, I, and, it, and, it, it, and it's, and it's, it's been so much of a, a shift. Yes. Because, because now I'm like, now I'm concerned about, you know, I want those tickets. I'm going to go. And it doesn't matter. It's just me anyway. So I don't really have to spend all this wasted money on groceries for the what if, you right. know, the cupboard, the cupboard is full. So whatever. And it, it has been such a mind shift, but it has allowed me to do so much more. And now I'm starting to say, I, I can be more active in my alumni association. I could start doing some things for me because, yes. and, and that's something that has a shift because as I've been unlearning household practices, I realized that that's why my mother was driving me crazy because she was over here constantly in my business, you know, and constantly asking all these questions. And so as you shared about unlearning some habits, you know, as I, I'm, I'm very comfortable now being like, mm, I did the best I could. You know what? I'm here, but mm, I'm, I'll see you after the concert or no, no, no. And it's really different because every single year, I, I know like the way that you've explained it is such a good connection because like for the first time this year, I'm like, I'm not going to do all of the Thanksgiving cooking. You know, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do all of that. And we're going to do a multifamily thing, but it's a little thing as far as what is in the best interest of my heartbeat, as you put it, Vicky, what is in the yes. best thing that's going to give me as much time back to do mm -hmm. some of the things I want to do. So to that end, I just said, thank you very much. Cause you're welcome. Good. You're welcome. Thank you. I agree. I, I am going to walk with that all day today the art of surrendering and self-reflection and protecting my peace and my heartbeats. That is such powerful language and words have such power and meaning. So thank you so much. You're welcome, um, Ellie. Dr. Vicki, you have been, gosh, just a, a rock in my life for, I feels like 30 years. I think it has been. Almost, yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much <laughs> for being here and You're for sharing. Um, normally Kelly Chapman closes us out with the prayer. Um, she is unable to do so this morning and we have a minister, another minister on the line. Dr. Vicki Johnson is also elder Vicki Johnson. And I would love it if you would bless us with a few closing words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, for this wonderful opportunity. And I just want to close us, uh, with a word of prayer, blessing and affirmation. God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. We choose to rejoice and give you glory. I thank you for every mother, every father, every surrogate parent, every caregiver who is listening to my voice today, who is listening to you through my voice today. I decree and declare peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. I decree and declare that from this moment forward, 
We will live a life of disruptive authenticity, that we will live in divine alignment, that you will help us to live in surrender, that you will help us to release our attachments so that we don't have to suffer unnecessarily, and that you will help us to live a life of self-awareness and, and being supported and supporting others. We give you glory for all of these things that we ask as we move forward into this day. Thank you again for your grace that is sufficient, your mercy that is new every morning, your favor that surrounds us. Bless our children, bless our parents, bless all who are connected to us. And as we go forward in this day, we will give you glory, all honor and praise. It is in Jesus name we pray, amen. Thank you, Kelly. So appreciate you being here, my big sister and powerful, powerful sister friend. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, um, thank you, everybody, for being here with thank us today. You. Have a beautiful day and a beautiful week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at nami.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.